it's the South Side's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left, snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left, angling, 25-20. Got a block from Rob, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Don't win it, we're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it, and he is going to get a first down. How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness. In the ring, Steamboat's got him up. A slam. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome in to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. Sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight, you can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We're here till 10 o'clock this evening. We're open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Or you can tweet at us throughout the show. We will get back to you. A lot to do tonight, Mr. Abdallah. Mm. At 7.30, we will talk with Mike Golick Jr. on the NFL Draft. It's on Thursday night. We will preview the NFL draft with Mike Golick Jr. at 7.30. In the 8 o'clock hour, we will talk with Tony Andraki on the Chicago Cubs. We'll talk with Josh Lewenberg. Who's that? He's a Raptors reporter from TSN. We'll talk about the Toronto Raptors. Kawhi Leonard, is he going to stick around there? Are the Raptors the best team in the Eastern Conference? We'll talk about that at 8.30. And then in the 9 o'clock hour, we'll talk NBA with Sean Hyken from Bleacher Report. And we'll hear from Mike Clay from ESPN on the NFL Draft as it is NFL Draft Weekend. Week, Adam, as we head towards Thursday. Lots to discuss and lots to talk about tonight. Oh, it is mock draft season, Chris. And I love it. I love the NFL Draft. I don't care that the Bears aren't involved until the second day. Or are they... We never know. But ultimately, I love watching teams trying to figure out what their next move is going to be, trading. You never know what John Gruden's going to do. Yes. You never know what, what Elway's going to do. You never know what any of these guys are going to do on the draft. I love every aspect of it. And, you know, ultimately, you have to look at how the other teams are going to look because the Bears have to play these other teams, obviously, and, well, yes, and new yes, quarterbacks and Kyler Murray and all that yep. kind of stuff. Yeah, Correct. so... So I love the NFL draft. It's like it's like college football light for me. Well, okay, and then if it's the first time you're hearing Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, uh, we're on usually Sunday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. We also host most Friday nights here on ESPN 1000. And that pause, that or they that you just did, that dramatic pause, a different show. The the other host would have jumped in there, but I knew that you were doing a bit there. I knew you were giving a little extra there. No, they're not. I would I would hope. I would hope that Ryan Pace would get itchy with that trigger finger and and Nagy would go, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, and, and that's where we start things, whoa. Adam, because if you look at the NFL draft and you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're saying, well, they don't have picks in the first or second round. How am I supposed to be excited for this this week? Well, first of all, the picks later, that's that's good. Be excited for that as well. The third rounders and everything that you're you're looking at later in the draft to see to supplement what you have. But if we look at this Bears team, 
currently constructed? What are the needs? What are the needs for the Chicago Bears team? Because you're right, the itchy trigger trigger finger, wanting to jump back into the first round, the second round, mm-hmm. to get a piece to help and enhance what you're doing, that might not be the right way to go about it. Because in the NFL, we know depth helps, and what you think you have isn't always what it is in the future because the NFL changes so frequently. Well, you and I always talk about how to build a football team, right? And we talked about it for years when the Bears didn't have a good football team, how you try to build a football team. One, you need the quarterback. Mm-hmm. In their mind, the Bears have their quarterback. They have Mitchell Trubisky, right? Locked up on his rookie deal for a couple more years, correct? Correct. You have to get to said quarterback. I think the Bears have got that figured out, my friend. You've got Khalil Mack. You've got... Change faith, and you've got all these guys here that can get to the quarterback pretty much locked up. You can add depth, of course. They need linebacker help, but I'm talking about that first round talent, right? Where they need to get those guys. They've got their guys. They drafted Khalil Mack this year by giving up their first round pick. Am I right? Uh, right. So that's you drafted Khalil Mack, right? Then you need weapons to surround your quarterback with. And by all accounts, they have their guys. They have Allen Robinson. They have Tariq Cohen. They have all of their their weapons that they are going to use for uh, for Mitchell Trubisky. Now you just need pieces around him, small pieces for depth. You need running back help. Uh, you need yes. some depth that's at, at corner. Now that Bryce Callahan's going to be out, you maybe need a kicker to add to the 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 mess of kickers. Uh, they're like they're like you've got a bunch of loose bag fries that are your kickers right now. Like you don't really want them because they're all lukewarm. But I mean, you're going to eat them anyway. <laughs> like they're there. You're not going to throw them out. Yeah, you're going to use a kicker. Yeah, but, you're going to use one. The soggy one at the bottom. Yeah. Well, the bag is not the one you want. No, you don't want that one, but okay, it's still fries. So what did you say before you started mentioning the kicker about the little pieces that you have to acquire for this team? I said you need running backs, help, you need uh, safety, you need corner help, depth. Little pieces for the depth. See, this is where it gets interesting. Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The Bears don't really have any needs. Like, we can say kicker, yeah, okay. Hopefully they'll figure that out. You're not going to draft a kicker. You're not drafting a kicker third don't, over don't in draft the third the round. Kicker. I'll okay. fight you. I will go down there well, okay, and I will but fight that, you. That's not going to happen. So so kicker, uh, if that's the need you're looking at, okay. Hopefully they figure it out. One of these loose bag fry guys will figure it out and the Bears will be okay. They're called okay. baglers is the uh, correct yes. scientific term. But if you say needs running back, okay, well, it's a position that's a bit disposable. You can find a running back almost anywhere in the draft. That's not really a need. Like, if you're a team that needs a running back, it's not. It's it's a rich person problem, right? Yeah. You're, it's not really a need. Yeah. You'd say, okay, they kind of need help at the tight end position. Well, we'll hear from Mike Clay at 930. We talked to him yesterday on mm-hmm. Bucking Up Dollar here on ESPN 1000. He said he actually likes the, the core that the Bears have acquired at tight end. Yeah, you got it's better than ends. most teams. Right. That's, that's what he wanted to say. And that's uh, I agree with his assessment. So mm-hmm. basically, you don't really have any needs. And that's the problem. Because when you're a team that's successful and you don't have any needs, you start tinkering. And that's when you start trying to fill holes that aren't as important as the the core of the team. And what I mean by this, Adam, is you know the core of a team, an NFL team, quarterback, weapons for the quarterback, and getting to the quarterback, Mm -hmm. right? I would like to see the Bears continue to stockpile on the defensive side, right? Absolutely. Because when you do the small roster tinkering that a good team is expected to do, that's when you're fixing holes that you don't need to fix, and that's when you hurt yourself in the future because you're not adding depth at defensive line, corners, 
wide receivers, Ed Rushers, other linebackers that can maybe play some special teams. Mm -hmm. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm looking Mm -hmm. for in this NFL draft because the Bears really don't have needs. They do have a couple positions that could improve. But in the long run, you're not really looking at a team with a whole slew of needs. No, you're looking at the best defense in the NFL, a new coordinator. Uh, So what you're going to do, like you said, is you're going to look to try to fill these guys. I think that the, the, the position of most need probably where you could get for for where they're drafting right Let, let's let's do it's caveat season as well so let's throw that in there right let's throw from where they're drafting in the third round with the 87th overall pick to the talent that is in this draft i like the running back position because i think you can get a guy like damian harris out of alabama and you can get a guy that can help you Im- immediate impact right immediate impact on the field that's what you're looking for in third round guys Fourth round, fifth round, sixth round. Those are guys that those are strictly depth guys. I mean, some of your guys in the sixth and seventh round may not even make the team, right? So you're looking at guys who you think are going to make an immediate impact on the football field. And to me, that position of most need for the Bears is probably running back. Now, you can say corner. You could say the departure of Bryce Callahan. You can say that. I, I would definitely listen to that. And you could persuade me to think that they, you can add a defensive piece that is more important than the running back position. You can get a running back in the fourth and fifth round. Sure. By abs- all means, of course you can. But to me, the depth at running back, that third round right where they are, is a perfect spot to pick a running back. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. We'll talk with you at 312-332-3776 on the NFL and the NFL draft in the Chicago Bears. Adam Schefter, he was on Waddle and Sylvie earlier today talking about whether or not the Bears will trade up in this year's draft. I, I, I think, listen, I'm sure they're going to be looking, but it's a tough thing to do. They, they made their move. They got their guy. you know. And so when you're left with fewer picks, I mean, you can always begin mortgaging away. Eventually, you have to pay the piper, though. So I, I would think that they would be in the business here to try to add picks, not subtract them, move back rather than move up. And we'll see whether they could do some of that here this week. Adam Schefter also on Waddle and Sylvie. Will Kyler Murray be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft on Thursday night? Oh, look, I, 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 I believe he's the pick, but I don't know he's the pick. I think that's the best way I could say it right now. Okay, if I knew it, I'd report he's going to be the pick. Right. But I don't know it. But I believe it. I've just heard it from too many people. Now, could there be a surprise? Yeah, there, there always could be a surprise. Again, there are just too many people saying too many things with too many signs pointing at Kyler Murray as the number one pick. Now, again, I'll go back to one year ago. On the Monday before the draft last year, there were not very many, if any, people talking about Baker Mayfield going one. And he did go one. So... I want to put that out there and say you never really know for sure. And even on Tuesday, I remember last year when I followed the story at ESPN that Baker Mayfield was square in the conversation to become the number one overall pick. You know, my father texted me back, fake news. You know, Bill Polian ripped it on air. You know, saying that <laughs> bunch of baloney and late intel is suspect intel. I remember because I watched the clip this week. And so you just, you, you never really know, right, exactly how it's going to go. But I believe right now but I don't know right now that Kyler Murray will be the number one pick. So, Abdallah, when we take a look at the first pick in the NFL draft, would you take Kyler Murray? I, I've I've thought about this a lot today because, you know, what, what else are you going to do with your day instead of uh, – I just think about the NFL draft. That's what I did. And, and the one thing that I think is uh, Heisman Trophy winner, he was fantastic at Oklahoma. 
and and he, I think he'll be good, really good in the NFL. But I go back to what we were just talking about to start this segment. When you start reaching for things in the NFL draft, that's when you hurt yourself in the future. And if you have a quarterback on the roster that you just drafted, why not take the best available player, Nick Bosa, help your defensive line, support your quarterback that you have, and try and build that way. Otherwise, you're just restarting and you're actually not helping your depth unless you really spin Josh Rosen into something that's very valuable. And it seems like right now, it's not that valuable. So I'm the Cardinals. Is what you're saying. Like, yeah. I have, like, I'm Thursday. It's Thursday. I'm on the clock. Commissioner Goodell's gone up there. Adam Abdallah's on the clock, right? Yep. The Adam Abdallah Cardinals. Yep. Whew. I, here's what I would do. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm on the phone and I'm shopping Rosen. I make it, I don't care if people know. Put it out there. Tweet it. Put it out, put it on Twitter. Say, we're, it's, he's for sale. He's on, he's on Craigslist right now. Make your offers. People still use Craigslist to yeah. sell stuff. I mean, listen, man, you got to sell stuff right. somehow. Just making sure. All right. Or what? Let let go. You yeah. put Josh Rosen on let, let go. go. Put Josh Rosen on <laughs> let go. Put a picture of Josh Rosen <laughs> on let go and see what you can get for see him. What comes back? Because you don't have to sell him. Like with eBay, if I put him on eBay, I have to oh, sell. Can right? you get to the point? My point is this: I see what I can get for him. If I get something I like, I I take that and then I draft Kyler Murray. If I don't find something I like. I take a defensive player and I stick with Josh Rosen because I think Josh Rosen has been given a bad rap. I think Josh Rosen played with a horrible, horrible offensive staff last year. I think that Josh Rosen can be a decent quarterback in the right system. And I think that if you don't get Kyler Murray, okay, we don't know what Kyler Murray is going to be in the NFL. It's not like a guarantee. None of these are guarantees. It's not like a guy who mm-hmm. you think is going to step in. Look, like like we heard from Schefter say, from Schefter said, everybody laughed at Baker Mayfield being the first overall pick. And now look at it. But no one could have predicted that. Sure. Except for the Browns would be like, yeah, we predicted it. No, you didn't. You didn't know. So to me, you shop Rosen. And if I can get something, if I can get a couple second round picks, if I can get a third, a second and a third, something for this year, if I can get that, then yes, I'm doing it. If not... Then I keep him and I draft a defensive player. Okay, so then we jump down to six where the New York Giants are sitting. Mm-hmm. And are they looking at a quarterback at that spot? Because that's the whole smoke screen coming out of New York is that the Giants are suggesting that why would you take a quarterback? You obviously take the best player available, right? Why would you do such a crazy thing? Dwayne Haskins, we don't want him because we want to get the best defensive player to support what we have. Well, mm-hmm. Eli Manning's there. They need a quarterback for the future. Mel Kuyper Jr., he was on Center earlier today. Will the Giants draft a quarterback to succeed? Eli Manning this season. I'm going to pull something that we usually pull with Paul Feinbaum in the football season, and I'm going to ask you to tell Matt the Perry. future. So, come Friday morning, what will the head, what will the draft headline be from Thursday night? Giants finally land the successor to Eli Manning. I think it's going to be a quarterback in round one. Dave Gettleman's trying to talk other things about need. You don't force needs. You know, distorts everything. They got to get a quarterback. And Daniel Jones Duke is a guy I think maybe they target at six or seventeen. I think that's going to be the headline. The Giants this year get the heir apparent to Eli Manning. Of course, that was the headline last year that they didn't take a quarterback. They end up with Saquon Barkley. Things good there. Mm-hmm. But is this year they write their own headline and get their quarterback? So will the Giants land their quarterback this year? I think the difference is this. Who do you who are you after? Are you after Daniel Jones out of Duke? Because I think Daniel Jones you could get at 17. Haskins, I don't know, because you have to worry about what the Dolphins are going to do at 13. So if you if you like Daniel Jones, 
I think Daniel Jones is someone you could get at 17, and then you could take you you could take the best defensive player out there uh, at six. If you want Haskins, you better take him at six, because I think that people once Murray's gone, if the Cardinals take Murray. Then it just dominoes because then everybody's like, well, now we got to get our quarterback. And now we got to, and some teams maybe like, we got to trade back in and get a quarterback. So if, if Murray's gone, the Giants might need to take a quarterback at six just because all these, if they don't, look at all these other teams that need quarterbacks. I mean, you've got the Dolphins need a quarterback, the Packers have been rumored. Not at twelve. Later in the later in the uh, in the draft at thirty, have been rumored to been take to take a quarterback. The Broncos need a quarterback. Uh, so you've got teams that need quarterback help that are ahead of them at seventeen. So they might need to reach at six and take a quarterback. You also have really wild like cards them. too, like Oakland, yeah. Tampa well, Bay. Listen, Oakland. Tampa Bay sold on Jameis Winston. Could you imagine two quarterbacks are gone before the Giants even pick at six? <laughs> well, then they can take the best player available. Well, there you because go. think about Makes it: it if two quarterbacks no, go, because they'll reach. Which, but like, think think about the logic, right? Oh, no one is suggesting that the two best players in the draft are quarterbacks. Like, we understand the need and the value of the quarterback position, yeah. but the two best players are not quarterbacks. So if you take them 1-2, that means whoever's picking 3-4, you're getting the, the first two best players in, in the draft, right? Like, that's the logic. So if you're at 6, the guys are just fall, falling right into your lap then. Well, and how quickly could this change? The Cardinals take Kyler Murray. The Raiders take Haskins. And then the Giants have two, have one pick mm-hmm. to decide between them the, when the Bucks pick to decide do we just not take one and wait for Tua? Well, that's a tough thing to do in the NFL. Why is it? How's it? It's not tough to be bad in the NFL. So you're going to tank a full season? Yeah, why not? But that's not something people do in the the NFL. It's Come stuff on, people it's, do. It's, it's stuff people do. The Dolphins have admitted they're doing that. It's un NFLian. The, it's, the it's Dolphins un-American. have said they're Who, doing that. What NFL team tanks a season? Tons of them. All of them. Oh, that really fired you up there. But I just, like, if you're, okay, so if Haskins and Kyler are gone, you're you're going to, the Giants, the Giants are going to say, oh, yeah, Drew Locke's our guy. Daniel Jones is our guy. Well, maybe, maybe they, maybe some of these teams think that Drew Locke is that player. Remember. Patrick Mahomes was I not know. a top five pick. I understand. Some teams had their I eyes understand. on Patrick Mahomes, and they said, all right, we can get him in the, the teens, the early teens. We can get him down there, and we don't have to worry about jumping all the way up. So I, I, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, Thursday night, the NFL draft, I'm Love excited. It. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We will talk to Mike Golick Jr. in about 10 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, Adam, the other night, Russell Westbrook and Paul George met the media after the game, and they didn't really have a whole lot to say. Russell, the first half, both teams struggled offensively. It was a, sort of a slug of a game. Both teams got going in the second half. What happened that sort of reversed the reversed the uh, uh, the tone of this game? Next question. Yeah, Russ, the, uh, the uh, fourth quarter, they, you got a 15-point lead. They catch up. What happened in the last six, seven, eight minutes? that reverse the momentum and let you guys uh, burst back away. Next question. So Russell Westbrook and Paul George refused to answer the questions to the media. So this uh, this comes up for a couple of reasons. One, uh, as an NBA fan, does it bother you? Two, are media members making a bigger deal of this than it's uh, relevant? Right? Like if you're listening to Russ after the game and he's doing this to the media where he's not answering questions, he's not being respectful... Uh, do people really care? Do consumers of the NBA product really care? 
to the people listening to this show, a sports talk radio show in the city of Chicago, do you really care if an athlete for your favorite team doesn't answer the questions that are being asked? I mean, to me, I feel like it's uh, unprofessional. Uh, just show some respect to other human beings trying to do their jobs. Yeah. If you don't like the guy, uh, give a crappy answer. You know, like like just give a vanilla, bland answer that, that leads you to nothing. But if you are just going to do that to the reporters who are beat reporters covering you on a local level, but now it's a national stage because it's the playoffs and each and every press conference after an NBA playoff game is carried live on NBA TV. Um, I wonder if people who consume the NBA product, consume sports radio, consume sports, if people really care. Or, or, or is the media just blowing this out of proportion? I wonder how much people actually know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder how much NBA fans that are fan that that are tuning in, you know, on a nightly basis, watching the NBA playoffs, right? And and when the game is over, just turn the turn it off. How much do they know that this is happening? Because I feel like there's two different things. When you see, because the people that that may not know just think that Russell Westbrook is a dude off the uh, on the court. You know, he puts up a lot of stats. Sometimes he tries to stat hunt and get his own stats, and the team does that for him and everything. But ultimately, the dude grinds harder than anybody else in the league and plays harder than anybody else in the league and takes the league more seriously than anybody in the league, and they don't see the off-the-court stuff. Then you look at guys like Greg Popovich and how he coaches and how he deals with the media during the game. Because if that's all you're consuming, then you might think that Greg Popovich is just as bad as Russell Westbrook. Yeah, a jerk. A jerk. Because that's what he does during the TV broadcast. But he's trying to do his job. Mm -hmm. He's trying to coach to win, and he doesn't have time for a... a, a, I understand that. The one difference with Pop is Pop is friendly to the sideline reporters off camera. And like, there's a relationship there. Exactly. I don't think Russ and... Who is that? Barry Trammell? Or what's his name? They're not. Well, this has been going on for a while. I don't think they got a relationship. This has been going on for a while. That's the guy that wrote the article about Kevin Durant back in the day, that he couldn't be a a winner and a closer at the end of games. So, uh, like, it's an ongoing thing. But I wonder if people really care that Russ sits there and doesn't answer questions. I think he looks like a jerk in that setting. And clearly does. It doesn't help his brand. I don't see how it helps his brand. And then if you want to talk about on-the-court stuff, look at Russell Westbrook and what the Thunder are doing overall. I mean, you're about to get beat by the Blazers who are missing one of their three best players in this series. Mm-hmm. And, and like that's why this is such a fascinating series overall is because they have so much talent. But clearly, it's the wrong kind of talent. If, well, if they, if they win, does, are, do, the, do the comments still continue? Well, do they continue to talk to the media? Yeah. They probably do. So this is just after loss Westbrook? Or is this all this? Because it seems like this is all the time Westbrook with this one reporter. Abdallah, this was after the yeah, win. Yeah, this was after, this was, this was after the game yeah. on Saturday, this is after, right? Yeah, this, so this is after so the win. So this is all, that's my point. This is all the time Westbrook. This isn't just Westbrook yeah. after losses. Yes. This is all the time to him. It, I think it is... It's changed my opinion of him a little bit. It was written about on the on Grantland, yeah. I believe, that the Thunder players overall treat the media pretty yeah. poorly. I but I, I wonder if the casual person watching or listening to sports radio even care. Like, who cares? Maybe we care because we're in the media. I We've care been in that I, room. Yeah, we've asked questions yeah. to people. Just give an answer back. It's not that difficult. No, and I think it's it's changed. I've always been a, a Russell Westbrook fan, and this kind of change it does it. it 
I don't know if it changes my opinion on him, but it just changes my perception of him as a person. Like, the dude's just trying to do his job. Treat him with respect the way he treats you with respect. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. We're singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. Mike Golick Jr. on the NFL Draft next. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah sing in for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The NFL Draft is Thursday night, Abdallah. Can't wait! So much coverage everywhere. ABC, ESPN, ESPN Radio right here. Yes. The app. Okay. On ESPN app. So let's talk to our friend, Mike Golick Jr. from ESPN. He's an NFL and college football expert. You can also hear him a part of the package on Golick and Wingo every morning right here on ESPN 1000, 5 to 9 a.m. each and every weekday. Mike joins Chris Black and Am Abdallah right here on ESPN 1000. I know. It's Abdallah. He knows. I know. All right. Mike, what's up, man? How are you? Not too much, guys. Appreciate you having me. It's draft week. How can I not feel good right now? We're pumped up and we're excited. And if we take a look at that first pick in the NFL draft, the Arizona Cardinals hold it. Is it a smart move for them to take Kyler Murray with that first pick? You know what? I, I think it's a move that you can more than justify now. I, Josh Rosen, I liked a lot coming out of last year's draft. It, Quite frankly, the one thing I would love for Josh Rosen is stability because he never had it at UCLA, and he already is experiencing less of it in the NFL. That being said, you're not going to go wrong with Kyler Murray. I mean, the guy's rock solid. He's so gifted. We know as an athlete, but the things that he did in Lincoln Riley's offense, an offense that we know just produced a very competent passer, and I and you know Kyler, I don't think has the natural leadership skills of Baker Mayfield. I don't know that for sure, but it's hard to match the kind of it factor Baker has and has been confirmed by so many. But I think Kyler is going to be an easy number one pick and a guy that you can build a lot around in today's NFL. If they do take Kyler Murray, does Josh is Josh Rosen's value more before they take him or after they draft him? Uh, you know what? I, I think in my mind they can afford to wait. Like I think his value, unfortunately, at this point, is going to be about the same. And I get the teams at times will get desperate around the draft and maybe reach, but Josh Rosen, you know, people talked about the Giants for so long as a potential destination. And having the 6th and 17th, most people's consensus was, well, you probably wouldn't even need to give up the 17th the way the NFL has soured on Josh Rosen after one season in a horrific offense in Arizona. So while I don't think it's necessarily fair, I think his value is at a place where they can afford to wait it out see what teams do in the draft and who might take a look at their situation and say, you know what, maybe we can do better for that guy post-draft. So many of these deals, and got to talk to Mike Tannenbaum on the show today on Golik and Wingo, and he said so much of this and so many of the deals are made in these months leading up to the draft. So maybe there are teams that have already talked to Arizona and already are going to go in to the draft knowing we're going to do this under the guise of we're maybe getting Josh Rosen after this already. That's Mike Golick Jr. He's on with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So if the Cardinals don't take Kyler Murray, a lot of people assume that the number one pick overall in the NFL draft going in as based on talent would be Nick Bosa, the defensive end from Ohio State. What do you see from Bosa on tape? Uh, Nick Bosa, I mean, it, the, the Joey comp is, is easy, and it's easy to call it lazy, but they do a lot of the same things. Nick's regarded as maybe a little bit better athlete. You know, I, I think he's a little stiffer in the hips. I, I think he, you know, the injury stuff I don't worry about as much other than the fact that 
you have some of the same questions that I think are a little more justified with Nick. I don't think he's as good a player as Joey. If you're giving me the number one overall pick that's not a quarterback and you're saying just go, I think Quinn and Williams is the best player in this draft, bar none. I, I don't really see that as even close, quite frankly, and that's even with Nick in the conversation. Uh, I, I think Nick is a very good player. I think Nick, like his brother, is a polished player. Uh, I, I just, you know, I, I for whatever reason, I watch the tape, and as a former offensive lineman, usually with D linemen, it's easy for me. I go, who would I be the most afraid to block? And he does not flag the way that Quinn Williams flags in that model for me. As it is NFL mock draft season, I've seen a ton of them. The Kyler Murray's going first. And then I've seen ones with Dwayne Haskins. I've seen ones with Daniel Jones. I've seen ones with Drew Locke. After Kyler, who do you, who do you think is the next best talent? I, I think it'd be Haskins. I, I think at times the tendency can be, especially this late in the draft process, to overthink things. Dwayne Haskins comes from an offense that with Ryan Day had a lot of NFL principles in it. Ryan Day was an old Chip Kelly guy and a guy that you know ran an offense that was very successful. Dwayne Haskins was productive, so he was productive and well-coached, which are things I think in the NFL of today where you've got fewer reps and fewer opportunities to develop young players, especially ones that usually a quarterback has to see the field a lot earlier. I think that pedigree matters. He seems like a bright kid. We've seen him making the rounds. We got a chance to talk to him. He seems to check all those boxes. And measurable-wise, you know, 6'2", 6'3", about 225, 230, he's an easy sell to people in a lot of those things. So I think why overthink something like that? The guy looked polished. The guy has the ability to make a lot of those throws. I think he would be, in my mind, the clear-cut number two in this class of Kyler's your number one. Mike Gold Jr. on ESPN 1000 with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Uh, so, Mike, if you take a look at linebackers, one of my favorite players to watch last season in college football was Devin White from LSU. He was outstanding. What do you see him doing on the next level? Being dominant. You know, I saw Pro Football Focus had him up today by far graded the best uh, best uh, uh, pass defender in this linebacker class as far as being able to drop into coverage. We've seen he's so rangy, he's so athletic as far as being able to go sideline to sideline. And You guys bore witness to this in Chicago. You can take middle linebackers in the top ten in the modern NFL. This, we're talk, I mean, look at this draft class. We're talking about three tight ends maybe going in the first round this year. The currency of the modern NFL is right up State Street, dead center down the middle on offense and defense. And Devin White paces this class. He's an unbelievable athlete. He played in the toughest conference in college football. He's seen about every style of play because of that. I, I think he's a no-brainer. Quite frankly, him and Devin Bush, that's an easy 1A and 1B for me. The Michigan middle linebacker, a guy I saw up close and personal against Notre Dame. Both just ungodly fast. You watch people, especially anyone that wants to try and stretch the field horizontally, just fail miserably with these guys. I've heard a lot of talk about tight ends, and I've heard a lot of talk about running backs. Really, the glamour positions of the NFL are is where the depth is at this year. How do you see the running back class this year? Because I know the Bears are going to need one. They don't pick till the third round, so they're not going to get some of the cream of the crop. But after Josh Jacobs, how does the uh, running back class rank? Yeah, you know what? I actually think the third round is going to be a good spot. Like this is a good this is a good overall draft for depth. 
And whether that's along the lines of scrimmage where there's a lot of guys deep in this draft you're going to be able to get that are going to be productive potential starters. Running back's no exception to that. Josh Jacobs is the one talent that might get overdrafted just because of what we've seen. Anytime the Patriots draft the running back in the first round, you know some other teams are going to start thinking a little too long and hard about that. That being said, I look at a guy, and I was just tweeting to someone about uh, Darrell Henderson from Memphis is really interesting to me. That offense put up big numbers in the run game. Henderson was a home run threat at times. He runs really hard. He's a ton of fun to watch. And so I think guys like him, Devin Singletary from FAU, Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, who we know dealt with some injury this year. But there's a lot of productive guys that I think around the second day and going into the early third day of the draft are going to be good guys in the modern backfields where you're not going to have to shoulder the load all on your own are going to have a chance to be really productive and impact guys. Mike Golick Jr. on with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Speaking of running backs, Bryce Love at the end of the season tore his ACL. If you're looking at a running back heading into the NFL and you're picking, Mike, how much of a concern is it to you that this player has already been injured heading right into the NFL? Or do you think that it's one of those things where modern medicine and, and the technology that we have today, that this running back Bryce Love will bounce back from something like this? You know, modern medicine would tell you it'd be a lot less concerning, but then you saw what happened with Todd Gurley through the postseason last year, and you hear some of the concerns about that guy who had a knee injury in college, and we saw firsthand the effect it started to have as the season wore on. That being said, with Bryce Love, speed is going to be an intoxicant for a lot of people. Even when he was splitting time in that backfield, you still saw those flashes when Christian McCaffrey was doing it all. Bryce Love was such a great off-speed pitch for them. And when I say off-speed, I mean full speed. And that's something that NFL teams, especially in this modern NFL, where you can find gadget roles for these guys at certain times. I think there's going to be something to Bryce Love there, but he's going to slip way down. Production was already down this season. You throw injury on top of it, and that's been a guy that really, from the start of the year where he was a Heisman hopeful to now, has taken a real tumble. You're a college football junkie just like we are. What's a name that we're not saying enough leading into Thursday? Oh, God. Well, you know what? Like, if you want to st- – we'll stick with running backs for a second, and then I'm going to get on my O-line soapbox because yes. I can't help myself. Yes. Running, ba- running back, I'm going Damian Harris, the other Alabama running back. I want him so bad did- on the Bears' goal, Jr. It's not even funny. <laughs> All that guy did at Alabama was rush for 1,000 yards in three straight seasons. All he did is talent backed up in that backfield – was continue to produce against Florida State two years ago in week one. He rushed for like 97 yards and blocked a freaking punt. This guy is going to do everything for you in that offense. So he would be, he's my darling in the running back room for this draft. And then I have to, I know it's not sexy and I know this isn't going to be fun for everybody, but dang it, you guys gave me the chance to do it. <laughs> Michael Dieter out of Wisconsin. He played about every position on that line. He's got great size for a guard in the NFL. Wisconsin and what they do in the running game is well-known and well-documented, but he's scheme-versatile. He's an athlete. He moves better than you'd expect, and I don't understand why I'm not hearing more about him in an offensive line class that, yeah, is deep but is not stellar at the top by any way, in any way, shape, or form. So end of rant there, but Michael Dieter is going to make someone's life much, much better in an offensive line room soon. You know, Adam mentioned earlier that's mock draft season, and we kind of do this all year round, right? The moment the draft happens and ends this week, we're going to look ahead at next year's draft and put out the mock. 
Ed Oliver all of last season was like the number one guy. And then we entered the college football season and his stock has dropped and he's around the like 9, 10, 11 range for this year's draft. Why do you think Ed Oliver's draft stock has dropped? Uh, because I think the longer people look at it, they realize it's going to be difficult. When you get guys in the combine, I get we overweight those results. But for a guy where the measurables are imperfect and he played so out of position that it's hard to say as much as we want to make that Aaron Donald comp, we never got to see him line up there. And he was a guy that was powerful, that had the two-gap way too much for my liking, but isn't as complete or polished as someone who played against Aaron Donald in college. And Oliver is not as polished as Aaron Donald was coming out. He is a gifted athlete. He's a guy we always hear the phrase, they run the hoop well. Ed Oliver and Quinn Williams are the only two guys in this draft that break the hoop. They go straight through it because it doesn't matter to them because they're so strong. So I'm more interested. I would like to see someone willing to be creative with Ed Oliver. Play him at three technique. You know what? With his size of athleticism, maybe line him up at, at a stand-up end in, in whatever your defense is. Use him in some varied roles and free him from the hell that he was subjected to at uh, Houston where they played him at a 3-4 nose and absolutely hid the bright, one of the brightest lights in college football underneath a bushel basket. It was complete crap. I need a story about Aaron Donald. I need you to tell me what it was like to go against him. (laughs) You know what? Going against Aaron Donald when I got him, because he was still relatively young, was a lot better. You knew he was going to be a freak, but my career accomplishment, and I kid you guys not, I was fortunate enough to start 17 games in Notre Dame and play in a national championship and go to a few training camps. At best, I will call myself an above-average football player. My career highlight was not ending up on Aaron Donald's draft day highlight reel. As an offensive lineman, that is the worst place you can end up because they play those for the top picks over and over and over again. And that was by far the best part of my game against him was I didn't do anything bad enough to be shamed by everyone when it came around to this time of year and we were showing those off. So I got Aaron Donald on the front end. I will will lie to you guys because I'm counting on you to not go back and pull the tape and tell you I held my own and we'll leave it at that. Isn't that the goal in life? Just don't make someone else's highlight reel. Like, uh, that's a lesson for all of us, right? (laughs) You know what? You don't have to be great. Just don't be awful. It's like outrunning a bear. You don't got to be the fastest. You just can't be the slowest. That's Mike Wolk, Jr. I'm with Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Do you think it's possible that someone will surprise us and jump up and take Drew Locke, the quarterback from Missouri, this week? Oh, yeah. People can't help themselves. It's going to be interesting because, really, there's no team that you say, like, we could point to New York until we're blue in the face and say they should do this, and we can look at teams like Cincinnati and teams like Miami that are kind of caught in limbo, but there's no one where you go, quarterback is a ghoul. Like a, a, if they don't fill it, they're going to have nothing. Like If Cincinnati doesn't fill it, they're going to have Andy Dalton. And Brian Tannehill, maybe if he stays healthy, can still be something in Miami. But someone is going to reach on Drew Locke because just like we talked about speed for running backs and steel guys, people love arm strength. They can't get enough of it. And Drew Locke, when he stayed clean, has an absolute howitzer for an arm, and he was pretty good deep when he was throwing from clean pockets. The problem for me was the production was never there against good teams. We can all get drunk off the Florida game that he played this year where they went out and lit them up, but that guy, if he could sit for a year behind someone, he would benefit a lot, 
but someone's going to fall in that love with that arm talent, and his name right might rhyme with Mon Melway. So let's, <laughs> let's go with that one. A lot has been made about John Gruden and Mike Mayock. I heard Mel Kuyper Jr. on with you guys earlier today on Golik and Wingo talking about how it's not really that weird that a new uh, GM comes in and kind of kicks all the scouts out. And then Peter King said earlier today that scouts, if you're Bill Belichick and you're the Patriots, a scout is never even allowed in the draft room or sees the draft board. Is he, is Mike Gruden, is John Gruden and Mike Mayock the ultimate wild card in this draft? They're the ultimate wild card because they've got the most capital. Three first-round picks makes you the most formidable team in the first round right now. And we know we average like seven trades a year in the first round of the draft. So those are the ones that I'm sure people are going to be looking at the most. A, because Mike Mayock knew it. this. John Gruden has been there for a year, and they showed in free agency. They're willing to wheel and deal. They're willing to spend. So what do you do with a team that's got the horizon, you know, the timeline, the runway that John Gruden and company do there with his contract? What do you do with the first-time GM? They are absolutely the biggest wild card, but it has nothing to do with the fact that they sent those scouts home. Those guys are 100% right. Mike Golding Jr. on with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Christian Wilkins from uh, Clemson, the defensive tackle, he doesn't really have the uh, measurables to say that this kid is going to be a great NFL player, but I love the motor and I love the fact that he's won at Clemson and he's been a, a leader with that team. What do you think about Wilkins heading into the draft? Uh, Christian Wilkins, and I don't, I don't mean this negatively, but he, he's not a poor man's, but he is a discounted Quinnen Williams, meaning he's big, but he's not quite as big as Quinnen. And he's very, you know, he's very mobile inside, but he doesn't have the lower body stability that Quinnen Williams does, but he is position flexible. He's played up and down that line at Clemson where they have been highly productive. And in my mind, I know Dexter Lawrence gets talked about a lot there too. Christian is just so much more athletic inside there. He gets on edges. He's more slippery than a guy of that size should be. And when you see him in person, he is an absolute tank. I think he's going to do really well for himself. And I think if you get him in the right spot, he's a guy that will take chances, that will make plays, but is stout enough to hold up against the run also. He's my he's, – he, no, there's no problem. He's my favorite of the Clemson D linemen that we'll see drafted in the first round. It would be – it would be him, it would be Clellan Farrell, and then it would be Dexter Lawrence after that in third. There's a lot of good corners in this draft. The Bears need a corner. They're, obviously, they don't pick again till late, but there's a lot of good depth at corner in this draft. How do you rank that position? Uh, that position, I look, obviously, Greedy Williams, if you're looking for a cover guy, seems to be the consensus answer in that group. Not really going to come up and hit anyone, but it's hard to not like DeAndre Baker. And I, I think I just sort of fall in love with Georgia defensive players anyway. They're so productive. They're so well coached. You know, DeAndre Baker's not going to blow you away with any one measurable, but he's so sound. He's played so well on that great defense. And I think he'd be an interesting fit in Chicago as well, just coming with that known pedigree. And listen, selfishly, Julian loves a guy I'm very interested to watch in the NFL. Another one that's not going to blow you away, but at a place like Notre Dame where you don't get marquee cornerback play all the time, he really stood out, especially as a guy in zone coverage. He was so smart. He was so savvy. And I think, again, he's probably going to be a second-day guy, but I think one that has a chance to be immediately pretty productive. Mike, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.